Good morning once again, everybody. Welcome to the one and only service this weekend. This is the best service this weekend right here. It's the 1030 service. This is it. So, so thankful that you guys are here, that you've chosen to uh, hang out with us. Uh, my name is Alan, and typically for this Sunday, the Sunday between Christmas and New Year's, we do something called the top 10 list of mistakes. And the idea behind that is that we often learn more from our mistakes than from our successes. Because if we are wonderfully honest about the mistakes that we make, about the errors that we make in relationships and our own personal decisions, etc., we are much less likely to continue making those mistakes. And so it's difficult, but there can be something very powerful about looking at our mistakes. Now, we've decided, however, this year that 2020 has been, has been full enough of, 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 of imperfection and mistakes on a global scale, uh, on a government scale, a national scale. And so many, mis- you know, it's just been such a, a, a year of, of, uh, of turmoil in so many different ways. We thought, well, we don't need to do top 10 mistakes this year. We're going to do top 10 highlights. We're going to do a top 10. Let's, let's celebrate some good stuff. Because here's no matter how screwball life gets, no matter how weird and odd life gets, God is still doing great things. No matter, no matter, no matter what's happening in our lives, no matter how difficult a day, a week, a month has been, God is still doing wonderful things in our lives. So we're going to celebrate that. Our hope for you today is that, and with what these, we're each going to share two. So that's going to cover the ten highlights for the year. And our hope is that is that these highlights will kind of stir up something in you, remind you of ways that God has been good in the midst of an odd year. Uh, And in addition to that, maybe give some hope in terms of what God may want to do in and through you heading into 2021. So here we are with our uh, top 10 list of highlights, and Jan is going to start us off. Yeah, so let me start off by saying that uh, when I first got assigned this, I thought, highlights from 2020? <laughs> I was a little concerned, and I, I initially started out, I just had a blank, just drew a blank, couldn't figure out what to say, but as I began to pray and to seek the Lord and ask Him to reveal things, it was amazing how my list grew and grew and grew, and I began to see things that I, that I hadn't really noticed as, more, as much as I had in the past, and so I want to encourage you, this is actually a really good exercise, so this week, I, whether it's on your own, with your family, with someone, sit down and, and ask the Lord, hey, God, what are the highlights for my life this 2021? You'll be amazed at what, what God brings up. Um, tons of, so I had tons of things, lots which aren't going to, I'm going to get to share today, including getting to baptize my son Ezra, which was awesome this, this past summer. Um, see, I snuck in an extra highlight, I wasn't supposed to. Um, but I've got to see, get in the dirty look over there. Okay, so number one, number one, stepping up. So when COVID hit and we went into sort of COVID lockdown at the end of March, we had to figure out as a church, how do we do ministry when we can't get together with people? And it required massive, tremendous shifts on our part to figure out how to do that. And what was amazing was to see how many people on staff and volunteers stepped up to ensure that we could continue to help people realize their role in God's story in the midst of quarantine. And so when you think about it, we had to move our entire Sunday morning experience all online. 
And, and so, folks, you're watching right now who are watching, you're watching, you're getting to watch today because of work that people like DeAndre put in to shift our services. Also, our family ministry team and so many people. Our marriage ministry, Marriage Mondays, was in the middle of a semester going full tilt. They moved our leaders, volunteer leaders, moved online almost at the drop of a hat. Our hope groups, our small groups, these, these ministries just moved online. Uh, and one ministry that had to make a shift was our student ministry. And so we were doing some online small groups, and we did a virtual summer camp for our students. We actually went to their house and did some fun things. But our students were still struggling a little bit, in part because they couldn't get together. They weren't in school together. They couldn't get together the way that they normally do. And uh, so we we're still praying about that and trying to figure that out. And things started to loosen up a little bit. We started meeting on site, but our children's ministry and student ministry still were not meeting. And so then on August 10th, I get a text from one of our students, and it just says, hey, Jan, the seniors, we've been praying and getting together, and we've been talking, and which is great, first off, that our, that our students are getting together outside of anything we're organizing and praying together and studying the Bible together. And they says, hey, we want to talk about an idea we have. So um, I set up a time to talk, and I'm talking to them, and they show that after praying about it, they feel that God is calling them to offer a gathering for students who are ready to come back in person. And they say, we're going to organize it, we're going to lead it, we're going to coordinate it, we're going to clean up after it, we're going to sanitize everything, we're going to set it up physically, we're going to do all that stuff. We just need some guidance and some, some support from the church. So I met with them, and in October, we had our very first SU hangout. And it was totally student-led. They had a student doing the teaching, which was phenomenal. They had students leading uh, prayer times. It was really an, an amazing event, and we continued uh, to do it. And what's so amazing is not just that students stepped up and said, hey, we want to take ownership of, of, of our faith and step into this role and play this role in God's story, but it was the fruit of years and years of ministry that the people of Mountain Park have poured into these students year after year so that when this happened, they could come to me and say, you know what, Jan, and this is what they said, we've had such an amazing experience in student ministry at Mountain Park, we just want other students to have the same opportunity we did. What a great testimony, not just to, to them, but to what uh, us, we as a church, have been doing and ministering to these students. So that was a real highlight for me. Number two for me was buried treasure. Buried treasure, yeah. So uh, another way, way we had to make a shift was in some of our financial processes because in the midst of COVID and everything else, somehow, suddenly, and very inexplicably, we lost access to a number of our third-party online uh, financial services, including bill pay and things like that. And so we had to regain, of course, you know, they, they, they always think you're hackers. So we're trying to get into our account. And we got to go through all these processes to, to regain access. And so this happened with our bank account. I was talking to Alan about getting some of these up, and he asked me, he said, hey, do you know what happens to our credit card points? What are we doing with those? And I said, yeah, from what I understand, from what I've been told, at the end of the year, they just get credited back to our account. Great, but, but I said, you know what, let me double check. Let me do a little, a little digging and find out. So I figure I'm just going to get a shovel. I'm going to dig about two inches deep and find out what's happening with our credit card points. Oh, no. This was like getting into Fort Knox, okay? Like they didn't trust me. They didn't believe I was who I said I was. I had to go through weeks a verification, and, and I had to get like, it became a, an archaeological dig with excavators digging through just to get to our, our, our credit card points. And finally, again, literally weeks later, I get access, 
and I go in, and it turns out our credit card points were not being credited. They were just being stored up. So do you know how many credit card points we had at that time? 1.25 million credit card points. <laughs> I was like, woohoo! I found the pot of gold. It was total buried treasure. So those are my two highlights. And now, Kimberly, with my German-fested microphone. Good morning, everyone. If we haven't met, my name is Kimberly, and I am one of the operations pastors here on staff, and I have had the privilege of having a little bit of fun of spending those credit card points, so that's been, <laughs> that's been a lot of fun this year. No, no, no trips to Hawaii yet, but maybe next year. Maybe we'll look at that. <laughs> so I have a couple of highlights that, that I want to uh, share with you guys this morning, and you know, 2020, I don't know about you, but I felt like it's been a little bit of a, of a roller coaster ride. And, and to me, not just any roller coaster, but more like Space Mountain that's fast and dark, and you don't really know where the twists and the turns are going to come. And there's moments that are really fun and exhilarating, and then there's these moments where the, the anxiety and the anticipation and the fear begins to build a little bit. And for me, not only has just the ins and outs of life felt a little bit like that, but but my relationship with God has had some of the kind of those ups and downs. And there's, there's been seasons where I've just felt incredibly close to him. Even though things are hard and difficult and I didn't understand, there was just this beautiful closeness and, and hearing from him and just drinking in the word. And then there have been seasons where I just, a bit of a wall would start to build. And I would start to reflect like, like God, I know you're there, but I'm just, I'm not really connecting right now. And there was one particular season that I actually had some conversations with people that I'm in relationship with and just, hey, you know, this is where I'm at. I, I'm continuing to, to read the word and I'm continuing to pray, but I just, I don't know. I'm not feeling that connection right now. And so one morning I'm driving into work and I'm just in a place where I am just, I'm angry. I'm like, God, where, where are you right now? I mean, this pandemic continues and, and the, our country is is divided and there's hate and there's all of this stuff going on and and I can't even hear from you right now and I'm just frustrated and I'm venting and I pause for a moment to take a breath and, and I hear it. I hear this laughter. And no, it's not the belly laughter like someone's laughing at you and making fun of, but the gentle uh, laugh of a father and this voice that just says, child, it's going to be okay. And in that moment, there's just this immense peace that washes over me. And I still don't know any more than I knew a minute ago, but I know that it's going to somehow be okay, that he's at work. This reminder that we serve a God who is active in our daily lives. He's not sitting on the sidelines watching, but he is at work in the background. He is uh, involved intimately in each one of our lives. And this became a highlight for me because I continue to draw on that moment each day as, I can, as the anxiety starts to build again and where is this all going, I can reflect back and draw back on that moment with him. And so my encouragement for you is if you find yourself in that place where that wall is starting to build between you and God and silence is becoming more okay with you for whatever reason, it's okay to wrestle with him. I mean, Jacob wrestled with him in Genesis. That's where we can enter into some conversation and he can speak truth into you. It's when you let that wall build and that silence becomes okay that the enemy's voice becomes louder. 
So I really hope and my prayer for you is that if you're in that place now or you find yourself in that place in the future, wrestle with him. Let him speak truth. And maybe that it can be a highlight for you as well in your relationship with Christ. My number, number four, completion of a three-year journey. Now, as I was reflecting on this one, it was a lot longer than a three-year journey. Um, God was just, in his infinite wisdom, knew not to clue me in at the beginning of the journey that he was beginning to take me on. And so this journey actually began about 11 years ago when my family and I started to attend Mountain Park. And we had no intentions of, you know, brand involvement or anything. We just knew that we wanted our kids to grow up in, in church. And so started here coming on a Sunday morning and, and then me being the person that I am, jumped into serving in kids ministry, which led to uh, a role just a couple hours a week from home on staff, which led to a few more hours. And, and eventually led to me leading in kids' ministry into where I'm here now. And there were times along the way where, see, my plan was always, once I had kids, I was going to be a stay-at-home mom. That was my plan. I was never going back to work. And so along the way, I'd stop and go, wait a minute. This, this is not my plan. I need to get back to, to my plan. But God would know that, you know, there's this one opportunity she's not going to be able to turn down. And so lo and behold, that opportunity would be presented to me. And, and the opportunity to lead kids ministry came, and I was going, I can't, no, I can't do that. I'm not equipped for that. And until one coworker lovingly looked at me and goes, but you're doing it. And I went, huh, okay. And so that led to leading uh, in, in kids ministry for five years. And during that, people would say, uh, how long, what's your plan in here? How long do you see yourself doing this? And my answer was always, well, God led me to this point, so I'm here as long as he continues to call me here. And when he, it's time for me to move on to something else, and that's what I'll do. And so about three years ago, I was in a place where I was really reflecting on, is this where, our, is my journey kind of ending here? Is it time to move on to something else? And in my mind, I was kind of really thinking that that's where I was going. But then Greg Battle walks into my office one morning and says, hey, do you have a second? Greg, what's up? And he goes, uh, have you considered joining the ordination process? And I went, mm -hmm. okay, I'll pray on it, and I'll talk to some people, and, and I'll see where this leads. And so I had conversations with leadership here, and they were very excited about this opportunity, and then I would take it, and I knew I needed to talk to my husband, and I really wasn't sure how this was going to go because I have a yes problem, and so at that time, my, my plate wasn't just overflowing onto the table. The table was overflowing onto the floor, and so I went to talk to him, and he, surprisingly to me, is like, no, you need to do this. You need to do this. So that began my three-year journey into the ordination process through the Church of God, and let me tell you, it was an incredible experience where I met so many people across the country. I learned so much, dove deeper into my faith, uh, learned more about myself, and, and this October, I completed that portion of the journey and became ordained in, in the Church of God. And I, I wanted to share this highlight with you, mostly because I want to encourage you guys. If God is calling you into something and you don't feel equipped or you're unsure about it, he will never call you to something that he's not going to equip you in. He will walk beside you. He will put the people in the, along in the journey with you in that path. And if you're in a place right now where you're feeling that he's calling you to something and you're, you're not sure about it, I mean, myself, anybody here on stage, we'd love to talk with you about that and walk along with you. 
because um, I really hope that you can find a highlight in really realizing your role in God's story. I do this a lot. So um, I get to talk about number five. I need to put on a few things here. So some of you know this, but um, I'm a part of a national worship leader conference called Experience. So Experience Conference is a worship conference by worship pastors and creative pastors for their teams and also for those pastors. This is my actually... Um, I've gone to the conference every year that it's um, gone on, and in my second year there, the owner of the conference is a former worship leader by the name of Al Denson. He owns the conference, and he said, we could use some diversity. Would you be interested? And I was like, Ugh, I don't want to be the token black person again. <laughs> uh, that's what I said, and he just kept, and there's like, you need to do it, your church. And I was like, oh, here we go. So, for So this year was my seventh year to actually be on staff with the conference. And so I have a little badge on that says DeAndre, and it represents that I'm from Phoenix. And so when we greet people, one of the fun things we get to do is we get to pray for every participant that walks through our conference. I've never been to a conference that stops every participant to pray for them. But then they ask us a little bit about us, and we ask three questions. What are you coming here to experience this week? How's home? And how can I be praying for you now? And so really before I could do that and pray for someone else, I had to answer those questions in my own heart because I was really at a point where I was immensely exhausted. Like we had gone through COVID and we had been going, going, and then we were getting ready for, you know, part red purpose. And I was like, hallelujah, I just need like a week. And so I go to the conference and I'm teaching a class on arranging um, for your worship team. And so in that class, I'm meeting people. By the way, I have a hurricane patch. That means that I've survived all the hurricanes while they were also during every conference I've been there. So I, I can tell you how to survive in Florida during a hurricane. But I'm teaching this class on arranging for worship, and I'm like, I'm going in, and Meredith Andrews, she's down. She's three doors down, and I'm teaching one of her songs, Full of Faith. And I was like, oh, goodness. She just sang this this morning. But I was like, oh, well, God, we're just going to have to do it. And so I talk about arranging in worship. And so I really just said, I asked worship pastors, when I go to your church, what does it sound like? If you were to think about our neighbors down the road, as this is no slam on anyone. I go and listen to a lot of churches and listen to ours. If there is a critic of Mountain Park, it is I. I listen and look for every little thing. How do we make it better? But I ask them, what is the sound that you're creating? And what I found in research and talking with some of them is that if you go, a lot of them are K-Love churches. They're the local Christian station. They do this exactly like this. They use this. It's a carbon cutout. And their people worship like that. And I said, one of the things I'm extremely grateful for is at Mountain Park, I challenge our team. What is our sound? So when we produce a sound and we sing what we sang this morning, it is the Mountain Park sound. Because it has something that you can't get on K-Live. Because I'm saying, tap into that innermost thing like Kristen over here. She's been on the team a little over a year. Patty has been on the team a little over three years. Carson, he came on my first Christmas. It was one week before Christmas. I was like, hey, you can sing your singing this Christmas. Get a suit, be ready. And I have not let him go then, but I said, when we create the sound, 
what makes the sound different is it's an authentic sound. And when it's an authentic sound, it cannot be manufactured. It has to be manifested. And so my challenge to you is when you walk through these doors or when you join us online, that you don't just let the moment pass you and you hear a great sound, but you say, how do I join my voice, my instrument? Maybe if you don't have a voice, you have ASL. You have some expression to say, what can I do to express to the next level? Because me, I want to use every inch of the spectrum. You see me do this a lot. You see me do this a lot. Like I'm telling you, don't just sit there like statues. Because people, and I, this is what I ended the class with. Do you want to be known for being a movement or a monument? And I want to be known for saying throughout my vocational call to ministry, I continue to be a part of a movement that was moving people in a place. And that movement here at Mountain Park is that people will never remember the amount of seconds or minutes that the team and I invest to facilitate this Christ-centered um, and gospel-saturated worship but people will remember the moments where they encountered the living God. And so that is, mis that is number five. <laughs> number six, elusive invite cards. You know, two years ago we had the kazoos that didn't work. They were worthless. We did return them and get a credit. I wrote a lot of reviews too. I used my own name so Mountain Park can get noticed. Um, but anyway, we, you know, at Christmas time, when we get to Christmas time, it's like, it's time to go. We start thinking about Christmas. I was at the conference like, what's your church singing for Christmas? What can I steal from you? Anybody got any good ideas? Den of Thieves, let me steal this from you. It's for the kingdom so we can share. But, you know, we just finished Christmas, right? And we're having a service live, right? My voice, their voice, I was like, who cares? We're going to go out here and we're going to lead it today. We're going to, this is the last time every wrong note leads to a right one. But we have these little invite cards that we do all the time at Mountain Park. You remember getting these? And I said, go out and invite somebody, right? You probably get sick of seeing these cards. That part of my role here at Mountain Park is to work with our communications team and to make sure how are we branding ourselves and getting out in the public. It amazes me when I go to um, down the road to Trader Joe's and I see these in the carts. Borrows, I like hit them up. Every time I go there, I just slide them on the tables like they're never going to know. I go to the mall like, hey, no soliciting. Jesus paid it all. You know, so I use these things. I'm going to bless you with the tip. I'm also going to bless you with an invite card. Why don't you join us? Hey, Kathy. You know, I just, and so I use these things. But when we got down to Thanksgiving, the week of Thanksgiving, I put in the order well in advance. They were supposed to ship out on Wednesday to arrive at my house. My house address is on the box. I'm not going to show you that because I don't want everybody to know where I live. So you don't have to knock on the door. But I'm going to block that. But they're like, hey. I was like watching the tracking thing, and I'm like, the box is not moving. Where's the box? I'm calling Brandon like, we need these cards. This is the first day of Christmas. And he's like, what are we going to do? I was like, I guess we can give out Greg Battle's outreach cards for the outreach offering. But how are people going to know we're even doing outreach offering if they don't have the full schedule cards? And I'm a little OCD when it comes down to things like that. Like, if you notice, we use plaid everywhere. Thank you, Karen. She got the vision. We caught, like, put more plaid there, more plaid. Gail, a little bit more plaid. Alan, wear plaid. Jan, here, I got your shirt. Wear this plaid shirt. All of those things, we do that, we laugh, but these cards are not here, and I was, like, panicking. Well, it's Saturday night. I don't sleep on Saturday. I had gotten a flu shot, so I was like, am I feeling sick? No, we, 
we rebuke this. And I'm praying, and like, we got to lead worship. I'm like, I had a lot of stuff go wrong that night. But I'm watching, and I was like, I called everybody known to man at FedEx and PrintPlace.com. And it's like, Mr. Clayton, you're so faithful to us. It's like, we need these cards. I need these cards. Well, it'll arrive at 12 o'clock on Sunday. We're out of church then. I got to have the cards at 9 and 1030. <laughs> and so I'm like, Jesus, you're going to make a way. I watched the airplane land. It's 3.55. It said, scan on truck. I said, hey, Siri, where's the nearest distribution center for FedEx? It says Chandler, Queen Creek. We're out there by Dwayne's house. I was like, Queen Creek? Isn't that where the cows and the deer and the buffalo range? Like, what? What? So I get in the car. I got on pajamas. I got on my little fur thing. Hair's not calm, nothing. It's only Jesus. And I was like, today I'm going to get these cards. This too shall. So I go. And I walk in, and the security guard, I think his name was Bob, he was sitting there, he was eating the donut and playing on his phone. I was like, hey, I need some cards that are here from my church. I'm a first, I'm a pastor, God bless you, but I need to find these cards. I know they're on a truck out here. Who's working? He's like, let's go over here. And I was like, he's got to move it. Like, I got to go back and get in the shower. Church is happening. No action. He's like, oh, the office is closed on Sunday. I know, today the office is going to be open. Who's the next person we can track? And he said, well, she sometimes come in at this time of the year. And I was like, Jesus, I'm a little stubborn, but I'm not leaving this place today until I get these cards. Amen. And so I walk out. He said, well, maybe she'll come in. She usually comes in about five. I said, okay. So I walk over there, and I go back out in my car, and I'm like, Lord, you can send me a delivery driver because he has a pen pal. He comes up. He's walking. I was like, hey. <laughs> he stops. And he's, I was like, I have a package, and I need it for my church today. You know Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Because Jesus is the Savior. But and he's like, yeah. And I was like, that's good. I'm glad you know Jesus. So you know how important it is to tell people about Jesus. And these cards will help my church tell people about Jesus for Christmas. And I need these cards. Can you help me? And he was like, do you have some identification? I got all the identification you have, and I got four gift cards right here, and I got a Mountain Park T-shirt. I'll give you all of them if you can find that box. <laughs> he said, Okay, I'm going to go. I can't promise. I said, yes, you can because the promise keeper is going to help you find my box. Here's the thing. And so I'm out there playing promise keeper. And he said, well, we need the lady to check in. She drove and I said, hey, are you the lady that checks in the boxes to scan them out? I have a skinny little driver. I don't know what his name is, but he's in there going to look for you to scan my box out. I need that box for church today. Do you know Jesus? And so it's this whole thing. It is now 5.45 a.m. We start rehearsal at 6.30. Do you see? I was like, I'm going to need to call, um, I'm going to need to call a cop to get me out if I get pulled over. They come willing off the boxes. I, all I could think was the hallelujah chorus. Hallelujah. Ha. I got those cards and I said, thank you. Here's some gifts for you guys. Come and join us for church. We gather at 9, 10.30. Join us at Christmas Eve. Everything's on the car. Here's the car. I got in the car and I said, no, people are not going to believe me. I need to take a video. So I get out of the car and I take a video. Hey, I'm out here at the thing. I'll post that on my page and you can see it later. But the last thing I thought was they went and found that for us. And because of that, Christmas was able to be shared with so many people because we had these cards. And so my reminder to you is God is always an on-time God. He may not come when you want it, but he'll be there right on time. Amen. What a great story. What a great story. Yep. I had a joke about FedEx, but you won't get it for a couple days. Anyway. 
my name's Dwayne, and I got a couple highlights I want to share with you. The first one, uh, number seven here, is called Honk If You Love Journals. You know, this year, uh, COVID brought a lot of things to our doorstep, and one of the things it brought was uh, just a lack of community because all of a sudden, as DeAndre said and, and Jan said, we couldn't meet anymore, and uh, we couldn't gather together. And so we, uh, we came up with other ways to do that, and we, uh, we started meeting on Zoom, and we started meeting on Facebook. And uh, many of you may have done this, but this summer we got creative. We, we went to drive-in theaters this summer and uh, drive-in concerts. And we, we found other ways to have community because community is important uh, to our lives. And so as, uh, as the, the summer progressed here, um, we had a decision to make here at, at Mountain Park because uh, the fall semester was coming. And August 2nd is the highlight I want to share because August 2nd was what we call Drive-In Sunday. How many of you remember Drive-In Sunday? Yeah, several of you. Thank you so much. Um, and Drive-In Sunday was important because this was an opportunity for everyone to drive on and into the campus here and pick up your journals. And we were so excited about it as a staff. We had, we had tents. We had balloons. We had uh, gift bags for, for, the, for the families. We had goodie bags for kids. And it was just an amazing Sunday morning. As you came on, everyone was honking their horns and just being so encouraging. We got to have conversations with folks and wave and, and, and families were just so excited about being able to come in and pick up their journal. And I got a couple of pictures here. I'm going to put one of these up here. Some of you went above and beyond and you wrote on your cars, you know, we love our church. Pastor Fuller rocks, of course, as you guys know, and uh, best Christmas program or kids program ever. And there was another one here I'm going to have you put up here. There was another family, you know, we love our church online or in person, which was awesome. But the, the, the point of it was it was so encouraging that uh, you just took the time to come and do that. And you know, folks, encouragement is free. It doesn't cost us anything. As, as followers of Jesus, we should be encouraging as many people as we can. It lifts people's spirit. It puts smiles on their faces. And it, and it matters. Um, and, it, and, and it mattered to us. And uh, there's a verse in Philemon I want to read to you. It says this. In Philemon chapter 1, verse 7, it says, Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother or sister, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. And friends, when we encourage each other, we refresh people's hearts. And I just want to tell you on behalf of everyone on this stage and the rest of our staff, that Sunday morning when you came and were so excited, you refreshed our hearts that day. And for me, that was just a highlight. I know it was a highlight for them as well, but thank you uh, for being a part of that. Yes. The second uh, uh, highlight that I want to share with you is, is called Pop-Up Paradise. Now, um, uh, I know those of you in the room know this, and many of you watching online, but some of you watching online might not live in Phoenix, but it was hot this summer, right? When people from Phoenix tell you it was hot, it was hot. And uh, this summer, as you, as you know, we experienced record heat, and it was just really hot out there, plus of all the other stuff that was going on. And so uh, my wife Sherry and I, one of the things that we do in the summer when, it's, when it gets hot, one of the ways we go to cool off is we, we'll go out to one of our amazing lakes here in, in the valley area and, uh, and, and cool off, go swimming, go boating, and just kind of hang out. Well, thanks to COVID, uh, for half of the summer, the lakes were closed. You couldn't, even, you couldn't even access the lakes. And so we're trying to figure out how, do we, how are we going to beat this heat? How are we going to cool off? And so my wife had this idea, you know, what about camping? I'm like, I can't believe she said that. She, camping? You really want to go camping? She's well, I'm thinking maybe we should go try camping. You know, everybody goes up to the rim and, you know, goes camping. And I said, well, I, I'm, I'm up for that if you want to try that. And so we did something I never thought in, in my whole life I would do. We, we went on Craigslist and we found an old pop-up camper and we bought it. 
And so we're going to go camping. And I kid you not, the first day we went camping, it was um, as I picked my wife up on a Thursday afternoon after she got off work. And as we're driving out of town, it's 118 degrees. No joke. Um, two and a half hours later, we're sitting at our little camp spot. It's 78 degrees outside. And we're like, this is the best decision we ever made. Why didn't we do this 20 years ago? It was amazing. And we just had some great uh, times up there just camping. And so then we, we thought, well, let's take this another step further. Um, let's invite a couple of our grandsons to go. So sure, why not? So in, in town here, our daughter lives here, and there's a six and an eight-year-old. So we, we, the next trip, we, we took the six and the eight-year-old. Now, let me just tell you, camping with your wife is one thing. Camping with a six and an eight-year-old is just different. It's just a different experience, okay? The things you have to think about and do are different. So I'm like, I'm all into this. I'm like, we're going to go up here, and I'm going to be the grandpa that's going to teach them wilderness survival skills, right? That's what I'm going to do. And so we get up there, we get set up, and the first wilderness survival skill I have to teach them is how to survive in the wilderness without the Internet. Because all of a sudden, Papa, my video game doesn't work. Papa, my video games don't work. Honey, they're not going to work up here. We're in the wilderness. We're off the grid. And they don't quite know how to understand that. But we, we made it through that, and we just had some great memories teaching them how to survive, how to, how, to, how, to, how to gently get a tarantula out of the campsite, and how to have, you know, safe BB gun training, and uh, uh, things like that. Don't panic when the wild horses walk through your camp, and, and uh, don't let your brother get too close to the fire. His pajamas are flammable, those type of things that you have to do when you camp with, with, uh, with, with kids. But... Um, um, just some tremendous highlights, and we just made a lot of great memories in a year when there's so many things that we really want to forget. And so uh, I wanted to leave you with this verse here in Psalm 103, verse 17, in, in speaking with kids. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness is with their children's children. And uh, what a highlight just to be able to spend that time uh, together in a very strange and different environment. So that's my second highlight. Thank you. Okay, two more, two more, and then we're going to sing one final song of 2020 together, and then uh, we're done for today. So, so number nine uh, for me is that uh, even bad memories can be bonding. So we have a, a, a phrase here, multiple phrases here, make a memory, make a friend, make a difference. And the first one is often the most kind of, you know, everyone understands, make a friend, everyone understands, make a difference. The first one is uh, the one that people understand the least. And in fact, in a couple of weeks, we're going to do a whole series on make a memory. The general idea with make a memory is that in our relationship with God, the more we can make memories with God and, and plant those stakes in the ground, the stronger we, our relationship is with him. As we move forward, when, when you know, we encounter difficult days. And so that also uh, happens in our, in our relationships with other people. When we make memories with one another, it strengthens our relationships. But even bad memories can be part of that bonding process. And 2020 has been full of opportunities for bad memories. But, so but weird stuff. Weird stuff in 2020, for example. I remember coming home for lunch or being at home for whatever reason, and my kids are in school, and uh, I look over, and one of my kids will be sitting on the couch watching TV, and I'll say, um, I'll say, what you doing? And they'll say something like, I'm in French class. 
and I'll say, je ne pense pas. Uh, it sure doesn't look like you're in French class. And so what they do is they go upstairs and they check in. Yep, yep, I'm here. And then they just blacken out their screen and then they go downstairs and watch TV and they get full credits. They get A's for these classes. It's so bizarre. And so there's, it's this oddness. How do you parent through that? How is that? Is that right? Is that wrong? Are they manipulating something? It's been an odd year filled with weird moments, but moments that are, have been memorable. 2020 is an unforgettable year. It's weird moments. Like, as um, Jan said, that we had to figure out how to do church online. And so I, I was shooting church from home with my family because we were quarantined there. So my kids were all involved doing lighting, and I, I had both my sons in the pool holding a board up so that it could look like I was walking on water. They're the ones underneath uh, trying to hold their breath as long as they could. They're saying, Dad, you know, speed it up, finish the message. Finish. They're the ones underneath holding this board up to make it look like I was walking on water. We're doing this stuff together, and it's so weird, but it's part of the memory making. It's uh, me having more conversations with my parents uh, back home up in Canada this year than I have in, in any other year uh, because of the familiarity with Zoom and those kind of conversations, and they can actually make it work on their iPad now. And so we're having these more of these conversations than we ever did before. It's uh, dropping off food for my son who, was, who had COVID and was quarantined at a friend's house. And so you drop off food on the front porch and then they come out and you do a virtual hug and you wave goodbye. These are memories from an odd year. This has been a year filled with odd moments. Some of them have been very difficult, but even bad memories can be bonding. If we, we can put them in the category of, you know, uh, whining and complaining about it, or we can put it in the category of some of this stuff. I know some of the stuff has been truly awful, but some of this stuff has, has, can be memories for us to connect with and remember and talk about in years to come because we did it together and we got through it together. And we as a church have done this together. Even bad memories can be bonding. Okay, finally, the number 10 is Matt Carriers. We have multiple groups of men and women here at our church who refer to one another as mat carriers. And that reference draws from a tremendous story in Mark chapter 2, where four men take a paralyzed man to Jesus. They cut a hole in the top of the, the, the roof where Jesus is teaching, and it's so crowded that there's no space, so they cut a hole in the top and drop the guy down. It's just a beautiful metaphor, beautiful picture, and it, and it brings us to ask the question, who are the mat carriers in your life? Who are the people in your life who can help bring you to Jesus, remind you of Jesus on those days, on those seasons where you forget, where you can't get there on your own? I have been here at Mountain Park for 15 years, and I've been a part of a number of different groups, a number of different small groups and Bible studies, etc. But I have, I have never been part of a, of a mat-carrying group. I've never been part of, we have men's and women groups that meet on Tuesday nights, uh, hope groups, men's hope, women's hope groups. And, and these are deeply, these are groups that are deeply committed to brutal honesty. So we're not talking about getting together and, and reading a scripture and then saying, what do you think it means? Oh, that's interesting. What do you think it means? Oh, that's interesting. What do you think it means? 
Okay? I'm not talking about that kind of group. I'm talking about a group that says, we are going to put it all on the table, and we're going to trust one another to a level of brutal honesty. And I'm, what I'm saying is that in 15 years, I have never dived into one of these groups and committed to a group of men in, in, one, of these, uh, in one of these groups. Growth and healing doesn't happen. True, deep growth and healing doesn't happen without brutal honesty. Because what we do is we just tuck it away. We hide stuff away. We push it down in other secret places. And, and, and true growth and healing doesn't happen unless we are willing to go after all of those spots. I met with this group. Uh, we, we've been, uh, we started a journey about a month ago. And on the very first day that we gathered together, um, I just let them know. I say, senior pastors don't do this. Okay, senior pastors don't join in with a group like this and commit to this kind of a journey together. I said, in a sense, this is professional suicide for me. And, uh, and they all kind of, you know, looked at me and thought, well, this will be fun. You know, this will be interesting. <laughs> but maybe for the first time in 15 years, I'm ready to die truly to myself. And I'm pretty stoked about that. And uh, I am very excited about um, what's going to happen with this group of seven guys. Very excited about this group. We're committed to one another to be mat carriers for one another as we head into 2020. And we commit to being different. We commit to being brutally honest and really getting after the, the deep parts of life. As I said Christmas Eve a couple days ago, I... 2020 has been weird, it's been odd, it's been tricky. I believe 2021 is going to be a tremendous year for us as a church, and I am thrilled to do that with you. I hope it is a tremendous year for you. I hope that some of these things that have been shared here can somehow connect or flow for you in terms of being a, a, a touch point for, for what 2021 could look like for you in terms of your relationships, in terms of how you use the resources, gifts, etc., that God has provided for you. I'm excited about 2021 together. I want to pray with you, and then the band's going to do one, one final song. Yeah. Would you bow your heads, and we'll do one final song together. Father, I do thank you for the uh, men and women uh, on staff, men and women in leadership, the men and women that I look out here, and I see that through this odd year, you have continued to do beautiful and amazing things. I pray that we would be a church uh, not just of, of watchers and listeners, but a church of, of participants, of, a church of people who lean in and realize our role in the story. And that might mean being a mat carrier for someone else. That might mean stepping up in leadership, serving in some way. God, you know how much we, are, how much we grow when we lean in and we participate, when we realize our role. So God, would you inspire us to do that in 2021, we pray. In the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.